we, we hit this point where the dark ages are coming to an end, is a shift in government. Um, and the, a shift in power of where the, where the, where the power in Europe was. The, the, Romans, the Romans had a stranglehold on, on the known world, on Europe and Asia Minor and, and Middle East. When they fell, when Rome fell in uh, 476, chaos ensued. In um, the late 700s, um, a guy by the name of Charles, Charles the Great, came to power in what's now um, eastern France. I always get east and west in Europe mixed up because Atlantic should be towards the east. And uh, in in what was then called Gaul or Franklin, hence the name France. And uh, he's better known, of course, as Charlemagne. In 800, he was down visiting his buddy the Pope, and the Pope put put a crown on his head on Christmas Day at Mass and said, you are the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. And the empire that he was given was a whole bunch of kingdoms and principalities that now he was going to be over this confederation. And Charlemagne was, was a great leader. Um, and the Holy Roman Empire ended up being farther north than what the old Roman Empire had been. And you see this German area. Now, there are more German-Americans than any other ethnic group. There are more, everybody's German. I don't know, how many of you guys are German? Yeah, see, we're all German. Um, and, but, depending on when, you're, when your people came here, there's a really good chance they didn't come from Germany. Because Germany did not exist as a nation uh, until, 18, until the 1870s, 1871 or 72, when they united to, you know, fight the French, which is always a good idea. And uh, the, uh, I grew up in such a German family. The, uh, the, and so you had all of these little principalities of Saxony and, and uh, Bohemia and, and um, Holstein and Brandenburg and all these different principalities. And so you went, from, you went from really strong government to chaos to loose government. And the, it didn't work. But when it, because of it not working, there was one of the things that kind of broke up the power of the Roman Catholic Church because it didn't have, it didn't have so much of the strong... It had the government behind it but didn't have strong government behind it. And so that caused that. Go on to the next slide for me. Um, and we had a very... The, the Catholic Church fell into an age of major corruption. Uh, really, really bad um, things were going on. The selling of indulgences. Um, there was a guy by the name of Tetzel who was the, the Pope's right-hand fundraiser. And... He went from town to town throughout the Holy Roman Empire selling indulgences. And an indulgence was a piece of paper that forgave you from your sin. You, you, would, you, know, you and I know as Christians that, to, that you 
confess your sins, if you confess your sins, uh, God is faithful to forgive them. He said, okay, here's the way it works. You fill out this paper and you give me money and I will forgive your sins. And that worked so well for him that he, he took it two steps farther. One of them was, you know, I'm not going to be back here for about a month. Maybe you ought to buy some sins ahead of time, just in case, you know, because what happens if you die between the, now and the time that I see you again? And so, you know, you could, uh, there's a big dance coming up Friday night. You never know what's going to happen. You might want to get some insurance. And, um, and so you could pay for your sins ahead of time. And obviously that was wrong. And the, and the other one was that you could pay for the sins of dead people, people who had already died and were in hell or, or in purgatory, and, and you, could, you could pay for them to have the, their sins taken away. And obviously, with things like this going on, it was a bad, I mean, people, you know, one of Martin Luther, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but one of Martin Luther's thing, uh, 95 Theses was, if the Pope had the power to um, spring people from purgatory, wouldn't he do it out of love rather than as a fundraiser? And, I mean, come on, you know, you're going to get these people out. So, so that, was, that was big. Another big thing was the idea of uh, the, the veneration of relics. And again, I was, there's a fine line between worship and veneration, but these relics of, of pieces of the cross, garments that were... That were uh, worn by by either um, Jesus or by the disciples or by the saints, um, pieces of their bones, just anything that people could go to, and they believed that if they did these things, they would they would be forgiven. And um, I'm going to show you just a real short video of uh, of, of from the movie Martin Luther, but. Uh, Martin Luther here is a, is a monk, and he's going to, to Rome. Hopefully there's sound as well. Or maybe nothing. The, while you're working on that, I'm going to go on with that. With also, we had a problem with uh, multiple popes. Um, there were there were several times when <clears throat> when multiple popes in different places were elected by the College of Cardinals, and so you had a pope in France who was. Uh, just tell me whenever you're ready. Uh, there's a pope in France who's claiming to have the authority of of the pope, and there's a pope in Rome who's who's claiming the authority. And at one time, I think there were even three popes at one time, and. You know that that doesn't make. I mean, can you imagine having three presidents, you know, and and each of them claiming to be the. We almost had that a couple of years ago with Al Gore and George Bush both claiming to. Would have been interesting to say the least, and it and that would have been it. Any luck or no? No luck. Okay, go on to the next slide then. The next the next thing was um, I think the black the black plague. No, sorry, was the fact that the dissenters, the, the Baptists, the, the Waldensians, the Lollards, the, the uh, Albigenians, the, all these people, 
were being <coughs> massively persecuted by the, by the Roman Catholic Church, and yet they were staying faithful. They were, time after time after time, we saw people, uh, towns, where they would come in and they would literally execute the pastor, and the next week there'd be three times as many people in church as there was the week before because of the way that, the way that he died and so on. And so the, the witness of these people was causing the, these congregations to just explode. And, and then at the same time, go to the next one, it should be uh, the trade routes were bringing, there was more trading going on. There was more, um, with, the, with the trading in goods also came the trading of ideas. And not only were um, these people, um, you know, getting spices, but they were getting brand new ideas from around the world. And these ideas were causing a crack in the Roman Catholic armor of you know, people saying, well, wait a minute, you know, what? this is not what they believe, they believe this. And then, finally I got the Black Death up there, the, um, in, uh, in the middle 1300s, around 1347, the, the, a plague came from probably China. And it probably was carried by the fleas on rats. And these rats came on ships. They came in caravans. They came in um, all kinds of different uh, ways of, of getting to, to Europe. And there you can see that the really dark red, like down here, this area, this area. You can't see it quite as well as you could on the on, right on the computer screen, but by by uh, 1347, the the Black Death was hidden here, and then it expanded out, and then it expanded out another layer and another layer, and by 1351, a third of Europe was dead. <clears throat> a third of Europe was dead. There are 300 million Americans. Can you imagine 100 million Americans dying in two years, in three or four years? That. <clears throat> You know, 6,000 people in, in uh, Sheraton, 2,000 people dying in a period of three years. I mean, that, and it made, it really caused the people to look and say, what is going on here? You know, what is, it made them question all their beliefs, all of their beliefs. I, this, and, and so it brought another crack in the armor. And then I think the last one I have up here before we get into specific people, was the fall of Constantinople, which is today Istanbul. In, it's not the last one, I have one more. Uh, in, in 1453, the, the Muslims um, took Constantinople, the capital of Turkey, and you know, this, was a, this was a major um, trading center. It was a major religious center for Christianity. It was the eastern capital of the old Roman Empire. When Rome fell, Constantinople didn't. And they still had, you know, this strong, strong culture. When, the, when it fell to, Mus, to the Muslims, what was left of imperial Rome was dead. And so that, that, uh, that killed that. And, of course, you know, today... <clears throat> 
Turkey, which in in Bible times was really the you know the hotbed of Christianity. All seven churches in the in the Book of Revelation are in Turkey, and now it's what ninety nine point eight percent Muslim. I mean, it's there's the only people who aren't Muslim are the tourists, um, and you know there's nobody. There's, it's it's a completely Muslim country, uh, but by the fall of Constantinople, it brought it into the Roman Empire. And then, what many people say is the most important um, event of the last thousand years was the invention of the printing press and movable type. Um, way more important than the uh, information superhighway, because it really was the original information superhighway. Now, books could be uh, printed in, in volume and people could have the opportunity to, to read and, and to see, um, see things. And of course, what was the first thing Gutenberg published? The Bible. Instead of, instead of a handful of Bibles, maybe one per every five counties, now the Bible is accessible to everybody. Um, and and this was gigantically huge and really made a big difference. And of course, uh, Gutenberg being a German, um, the and Germany pretty much being the hotbed of the German states being where the real power in Europe had shifted to, this became really, really, really important. Um, it's kind of interesting that Germany plays a huge role in world history even before it becomes a nation. But the German states, the German people, including what today we would call Germany and Austria. Okay. So that brings us, unless, no luck? No luck, okay. You know, in preparation for Gutenberg and the press, in the 1300s in England, a man by the name of John Wycliffe came under the influence of the Lollards. And uh, with their influence, he was awakened to a number of things. And one of them, first and foremost, was the authority of Scripture that... Um, you know, the Word of God has to be our basis. And in his study of Scripture then, he came to see that, um, you know, there's no such thing as infant baptism, um, justification by faith, separation of church and state. Uh, and he also came to see uh, from study of Scripture the the aspect of independent churches and, and things that we've looked at before. But because he was a man of conviction, he really started proclaiming these things and preaching. And as Mark mentioned, um, in these days they would come and arrest the preacher and, and it would only fan the flames of revival. And Wycliffe uh, was very instrumental in England, he was taken and imprisoned, forbidden from preaching. And so, in prison, he gave himself 
to translating the Scriptures into the English language, making it available for the common man, making it available to, to people. And all this was in preparation. Um, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be, we're going to get in and look at the Reformation. There wouldn't have been a Reformation if uh, God hadn't used the Lollards to influence Wycliffe. Wycliffe, uh, his desire and burden for the Word of God um, was such that um, he gave his life to translate the Scriptures and uh, put it into the common man's language. He died of paralysis in, in Luterworth, uh, England, and, um, and yet, because he turned loose the power of the Word of God, he wrote many pamphlets and tracts, but most importantly was the power of the Word of God, that it, it just it spread in, in a great way. God's providence, this is amazing, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The king of Bohemia had a queen from England, Queen Anne. King Richard II had a queen from England, Queen Anne, who was a close personal friend of John Wycliffe. Because of that, um, the scriptures were then taken to Bohemia, which is, we know it as the Czech Republic now. The scriptures were taken to Bohemia, and... Um, there was a man in Bohemia by the name of John Huss who was exposed to the Scriptures. He came to the same conclusions Wycliffe. And uh, John Huss, although he was involved in, the, in Roman Catholicism, um, through his study of Scriptures, he came to understand, wait a minute, what we're practicing, and all this is in the time uh, that as a result of the things that Mark mentioned, people's hearts were being prepared. Um, John Huss became a mighty force. Um, the Hussites were, were the part of Bohemia. And all of these people had a, a great missions passion. They carried the gospel wherever they went. And in the, in the midst of persecution... Um, they carried it. But going back to Wycliffe, because his writings, the Word of God, and his influence was so strong, Roman Catholicism despised him so much that 30 years after his death, they went back, dug up his bones, had a public burning of his bones, and gathered as many of his writings as they could and burned them, and, and really, that just brought even more attention to it. And it promoted the cause of Christ. Why, you know, why are they doing this? Well, it drove even more people to it. And that was going on in England. John Huss was um, mightily used of God in, in Bohemia. And as a result of, of the work in Bohemia... There was work that went to Italy, and Savonarola was one of the key men that God used in Italy 
to bring a mighty working of God in Italy, which was, you know, you're, right, you're talking right at the seat of, of the Roman Empire and uh, the Roman Catholic Church and all of these. Um, John Huss was, was burned at the stake and um, I think I, I have... Um, he said before he was burned at the stake, in the truth of the gospel which I have written, taught, and preached, I die willingly and joyfully today. Then the fire was kindled, and as the red tongues of flame driven by the wind from Lake Bowden rose high around the body of the martyr, Huss sang the song, and the words of the song were, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, have mercy on me. He had been told that um, he would be transported to this council. He would be protected. His life would be protected. Well, they took him to this council. They burned him at the stake. And the Pope dismissed his broken promise of safe conduct to Huss with these words. When dealing with heretics, one is not obligated to keep his word. Who does that sound like today? Well, it sound, that's exactly what the Muslims believe, that we can lie. When you're dealing with heretics, it doesn't matter. But John Huss, um, the flames of, of his death really fueled even a greater work of God. And, um, and amazingly, the gospel was carried all over, all over Europe. They said even um, ten years after Wycliffe's death, if you were to meet two people in England and just confront two people on the street, they said most of the time one of them would have been a Lollard or would have been brought to Christ through the, the ministry of John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe is called the morning star of the Reformation because he put the Bible into the, the common man's language, made it available. I uh, don't have the time to read, but one of the things, complaints about Wycliffe was that this heretic made what was intended for the clergy only, the Word of God, made it available to the common man, and not only to the common man, but to women also. How low could he go? That is what, and so he was burned at the stake. Because of that. And yet, um, God used the Word of God. You know, it's interesting. The Word of God, it just made me realize the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Whether you agree or not, that's immaterial. But by the U.S. going into Iraq, we turned loose the power of the Word of God in Iraq. And, and there's no stopping the power of the Word of God. In 1989, when the Soviet Union fell, it turned loose the power of the Word of God in the Soviet Union. And you can't stop the Word of God. It, it, it is powerful. And, and what, what they found out here is they've tried to burn all the writings of Wycliffe, all his books, um, and yet, what is the first thing that was printed? It was the Word of God. And so, um, the Word of God translated into English, then it was translated into 
Bohemian and uh, the, the Czech Slavic language into German and so on. And we sang this morning, Standing on the Promises. That's always been the case. And it's just interesting to me. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The king of Bohemia, a queen from England who knew John Wycliffe. What a coincidence. No. That was God preparing the way for the word of God to go there to Italy. And um, it spread throughout then to Germany. And we come to the name that we identify with the Reformation more than any other name, but there were all these um, backdrops of God in control. Just a, a little rabbit trail that I'll get on here. I, in studying this, it reminds me, God is in control of every detail of history. I read, excuse me, this last week that because of the economic meltdown in the U.S., many Jewish people are returning to Israel. Because they say, why stay here? The economies. Israel then has now come out and said, we are sending back to wherever they came from 60,000 immigrants in Israel to make room for our people to come back to Israel. Well, when you know prophecy, you know God said he's going to bring the Jews back to Israel. And he uses stimulus packages to do things like that. So don't be so upset. God is still in control, even as He was then. And, you know, it ought to encourage our hearts. God's will will be done, period. And it it has been, and it will be. So that brings us to the Reformation. To the name that is probably more well known than any other when it comes to the Reformation. Who am I talking about? Martin Luther. Yeah, Martin Luther. Handsome son of a gun, isn't he? The, uh, y'all, I, I, you probably know more about Martin Luther than you know about any um, religious leader from days past than, than any others. Um, probably more Baptist kids know more Lutheran history than anything else. The uh, yeah. More Catholic kids know more Lutheran history than anything else. More Methodist kids know more... I mean... I was brought up Presbyterian. What did we learn about Martin Luther? The, uh, that's, Martin Luther played a huge role in, in changing the world. Um, he, was, he was going to be a lawyer in, in Germany. And one day he, uh, was heading, uh, from, he was heading home and he got caught in a lightning storm. And it was such a severe lightning storm that... And lightning was, was flashing all around him that, that he dove flat on the ground and he, he cried out to God that if God would save him, he wouldn't be a, be a lawyer and he would become a monk. Um, the, there you go. The, what were we saying the other day? One useless man is a disgrace. Two useless men become a law firm, and three or more become a deacon board. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the <laughs> he said that. Uh, I, 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 I never uh, heard that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The uh, so he went from being a uh, from wanting to be a lawyer, uh, and he be, he became a monk, and he 
he struggled and struggled and struggled with this uh, whole idea of of his salvation. Now, what was he saved? Was he really saved? He he certainly believed in God. He, but but uh, was he saved? And he he was he was a Catholic through and through. I mean, he was a Catholic monk, and. In spite of the uh, best attempts by his father to not get him, his father didn't want to be a monk. He wanted to be a lawyer. Well, who, who doesn't want a lawyer for a son or son-in-law? The, uh, uh, the uh, right is, um, but uh, the he he becomes a monk and he he witnesses firsthand all of the things within the Roman. Catholic Church that that were wrong, especially the the veneration of relics, the the corruption of the the Roman Catholic Church, and then I was telling you about Tetzel doing the the sales of the indulgences and so forth, and he made the mistake Tetzel did of coming to Martin Luther's hometown where he was the pastor and where he was a professor at the University of Wittenberg. Have you been to Wittenberg? Yeah. Anybody been to Wittenberg? Which is spelled Wittenberg. Um, well, anyway. My wife says I have. Okay. Oh, it made a real big impression on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not real impressed with Lutheran history. The, uh, and when Tetzel comes there, he um, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And, and Luther, thanks to Gutenberg has the Bible, and he says, I know, I know that there's no way the Pope intended any of this stuff. That, that, that Tetzel's a loose cannon, and we need to do something about this. So on Halloween, um, on Halloween in 1517, he, he posts on the church door a, his 95 theses, 95 statements, and 90... I mean, he, he way outdoes Jay Leno in his list of 10. He's got 95 things, his top 95 things wrong, wrong with the Catholic Church. And he pounds them to the door of his own church. Now, why does he do this? Because everybody goes to church. Nobody doesn't go to church. I mean, today we'd post it on the you know, front door of Hy-Vee. Um, everybody buys groceries. You know. Do people post stuff on the front door of the church today? No, because... What percentage actually go through the front door? Um, but that, that was what, that, that was the, the tradition of the day. And people read it and people were amazed. And, and it was taken down and it was uh, and copied and printed and sent all over Germany. And then Tetzel was really having problems because... Uh, Tetzel's trying to sell these indulgences and, and the people are reading, if, if the Pope had the power to spring people out of purgatory, wouldn't he do it himself out of love? And the people went, well, yeah. So this guy is just trying to, to bilk us out of our money. And overnight, Tetzel saw the amount of money that he was bringing in drop by, by uh, four-fifths. 80% um, talk about a, needing a stimulus package. He... Uh, <laughs> His, his profits were way down. And when the Pope heard of this, the Pope, uh, contrary to what Luther thought, 
um, he said, man, I can't be losing this kind of money. And issued that, that um, Luther should come to Rome. Luther's benefactor, um, the, the Duke of Saxony, said, uh, you know, oh, I'm not sending this guy to Rome because he knows people like us. You go to Rome and you're going to die. I mean, they take people like Martin Luther and they kill him. And so uh, the Duke of Saxony, who was an old man, went to visit the emperor, the Holy Roman Emperor, who happened to be his nephew, and said, you know, look, your your grandfather, my brother, who was the emperor before you, um, two before you, promised that no German would ever be taken out of the German states and put on trial someplace else. They would be tried here in the German states. And so he agreed that he would not send Luther to Rome, but rather send him to uh, Worms, spelled Worms. Have you been to Worms? Worms. Okay, do you you remember it? No, he doesn't. You you enjoyed it? Yeah, okay. uh, And and, uh, there, the the Pope's uh, um, lawyer, lawyers, were there, the, the princes of, of Germany were there, the emperor was there, and they laid out this stuff, and they said, they, and they said, Martin Luther, did you write this stuff? And he looked it over and he said, um, yep, that was me, I wrote this stuff. And, uh, and they, they said, well, you know, will you recant it? And, and he said, can I think about this? And he said, no, you're either going to recant it or not. And, and he said, please let me think about it. And they gave him a day where he went and he thought about it and he prayed about it. And he came back the next day. And, and they said, will you recant? And he said, he said, you know, I may have been a bit harsh. I, you know, what I wanted to do was to point out to the Pope these mistakes I'm not trying to break off. I'm not trying to do. I'm trying to point out the mistakes that were that were that we Catholics were are making. And um, said, but will you recant? And he said, I will recant when you show me clearly in the scriptures where I have made my mistakes. And that just threw them into a rage. And he said, last time, last time, your final answer, will you recant? And he said, here I stand. I can do no other. And this, you know, this is a statement. Now, we're going to run out of time here. And next week, I'm going to tell you what a scoundrel Luther was. <laughs> okay. But this is why Luther goes down in history and why... He is taught in all the world history books as, as such a great man, in that because he stood up there, and there and there are many, 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 many others who stood up, but Luther stood up and he said, "No, I will. I'm not going to recant this stuff." And um, he was being taken back, and he was um, and he was kidnapped on the way back. And, they, and the word was out that he was kidnapped, and they assumed that he was assassinated. 
but he was kidnapped by one of his supporters and taken um, and, and held in hiding. And they kind of just let them think that, that Luther had been taken and killed. And, um, of course, does, does, anybody, does anybody know the name of the, the castle that he was taken to, where he was hidden? Two big Lutheran colleges in Iowa. One of them's Luther. What's the other one? Wartburg. That's the name of the place. Wartburg is where he was taken. And while he was there, Germany went up in flames. The fighting between the followers of Luther and the, and the Catholics just went. And we'll, we'll leave it there for today, I think. And the bottom line in how it applies to us, every one of these people God mightily used were committed to scriptures, were students of scripture. And it is imperative that every one of us not go to a church that just preaches the Scripture, but that we personally be students of Scripture. Because we're going to answer to God for how we have sought the Scriptures. And that's the only way you recognize truth from air. And that's a responsibility that falls on every one of us to be students of Scripture. So... Second Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, properly, correctly distributing, dividing the word of God. Let's bow in prayer. Lord.